0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read the famous story about the man born blind, whom when Christ saw him, he spat on the ground, and he made mud, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the mud that he made, and then he told the man to go and wash. Read this in verse 7, he says, And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and came back seeing. Christ could have healed the man immediately, could have just put his hand on him or just spoken a word and the man would have been healed. And yet the man was asked by Christ to go and to do something. He said, I'm going to put the mud on your eyes, but then you have to be the one to go and actually wash off the mud. And if this man did not have faith to believe that Christ could actually heal him, he would not have done what he would have asked, he would have just gone to his home, maybe washed The water off of his eyes instead of traveling all the way to this pool and to wash there and the only reason that he did that is because he must have had faith and believed that what christ had said could actually be true and like we've been speaking for several weeks about this um, cooperation between man and god that here god is Saying, I'm offering you healing. I'm giving you this gift of healing, but it is not completely free. You have to demonstrate something. You have to show. You have to cooperate with me. God does his part, and man does his part. Obviously, the man could not heal himself of blindness. God did not ask him to heal himself of blindness. God asked him simply to go into wash in a certain place. We also, um, maybe we can also see this in the story of Naaman the Syrian. Naaman the Syrian was a military leader from Syria in the Old Testament, and he had leprosy. And he came to Israel because he heard that Elisha the prophet uh, was a very powerful prophet and that maybe he could heal him. So when he came, Elisha didn't even open the door to see him. He didn't give him an opportunity at all to speak with him. But he told him, just go wash in the Jordan River. And at the time, Naaman was very upset. And he says, I came all the way from Syria to come here to see Elisha the prophet and in the end, he doesn't even want to see me. And he wants me to go and take a bath in the Jordan River. We have rivers in my country. Why did I have to come all the way over here to take, to take this, uh, this bath in the Jordan River, to wash in the Jordan? And yet he was convinced by his servant to go and to do so. And when he did it, he was healed. So we see this as another example where God is saying, I'm the one who is the healer, but you have to do something to demonstrate faith in order for the healing to happen. And as we spoke last week about the power of forgiveness and we said that forgiveness there is an aspect that god does and there is an aspect that we do and last week we spoke about what is it that god does what 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 in what way does god forgive and and what happens to us after the forgiveness of god we spoke about five points the first one was that the forgiveness of god results in refreshment that it makes us to feel like rejuvenated again when we are forgiven by God. Also, we spoke about how God does not remember our sins. He says, I will remember your sins no more, as though these sins never even happen. The third is that the forgiveness of God is not merited, that we have not done anything to earn forgiveness, but actually in our weakest moments, in our most darkest times, is when God is still offering forgiveness to us. The fourth is that, Uh, God's forgiveness frees us from darkness. It lifts up us out of depression, out of sadness, out of loneliness, and all these things that come with living in a life of sin. It lifts us out of these. And finally, that God's forgiveness breaks the bond of sin. Not only does he forgive us of the sins we have committed, but he enables us to stop the sin completely, to, to fight against it, to war against it, and to overcome it. So that was last week. We spoke about this power of forgiveness from God's perspective. And what is it that God is doing in the work of God? Today, we're going to briefly go over what are some of the things that God is asking us to do in this idea of forgiveness. Right? Because like we said, God works as a cooperation. right? In the case of the man born blind, in the case of Naaman, the Syrian, and in many other cases, God says, I am going to offer you what only I can give you. What, what you cannot do for yourself. But I ask for you to do what it is that is within your power to do in order for this to work, right? So we're gonna see that God is promising us all of these things that we mentioned about forgiveness, but he also asks us to do certain things. The first thing he says in order for us to be forgiven is that we must confess, we must confess. In First John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I am a repentant person and I come to God and I confess my sin, then this is when God is going to forgive us. Confession comes as kind of the natural outpouring of repentance. How do I know if I'm truly repentant or not? Yes, we might feel inside of ourselves that we are sorrowful because of a sin that we committed. But when we actually confess our sin, Confession is going a step beyond just maybe the feelings that I have inside. We are verbalizing. We're verbalizing the mistake that we made. We're verbalizing the mistake and the sin that we have committed. In James 5.16, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We are all members of the body of Christ. And when a member of the body experiences some kind of a disease, the whole body suffers, Right? The whole body suffers. If, if my hand is suffering from a disease, and it is only my hand that is suffering from the disease, and yet my whole body suffers because my hand is useful for the body, and when my hand is disabled or impaired, then it cannot serve the rest of the body. So it is the same with us. We are the body of Christ, and when, when mem- one member is taken in sin, then that member is suffering, but also the whole body suffers because of that member, because that member is suffering. In the early church, actually, confessions were done in public, if you can imagine what that would be like. That a person would come and stand before the congregation and they would confess their sins to the whole congregation because the sins of each individual affected the entire body, affected the entire church. Now, of course, we don't ask people to do that. But we ask what? We ask people to confess to their father of confession, right, in private. In Leviticus chapter 5, It says, It shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed a female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the goats as a sin offering, so the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. This is the way that it was done in the Old Testament is when someone had sinned, they would bring an offering to the Lord, and the priest would be the one to pray for him and to make atonement from him and to offer this sacrifice on the altar for his sin. Also in the Old Testament, uh, leprosy was a symbol of sin. Whenever someone would have leprosy, this would be because they have committed some sin that they have not repented of. And so God said when someone has leprosy, they go and they show themselves to the priest. And they tell them that they have received leprosy. They have leprosy because of a sin. And that person who had leprosy would be put outside of the camp, out of the assembly for a time, so as not to be contagious to the rest of the people until such time that the leprosy would go away. And then once it was gone, he would again show himself to the priest and the priest would confirm that this uh, leprosy was indeed gone. And this, again, leprosy is a symbol of sin. It's like the, the, the person who has sin is going to confess their sins to the priest so that the priest is aware of it. St. John Chrysostom, he also speaks about confession to the priesthood. He said, priests have received the power which God has given neither to angels nor to archangels. It was said to them, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you shall loose shall be loosed. Temporal rulers have indeed the power of binding, but they can bind only in the body priests can bind with a bond which pertains to the soul itself and transcends the very heavens whatever priests do here on earth god will confirm in heaven just as the master ratifies the decisions of his servants god has placed this gift this is the gift of the priesthood that god has placed among men so that people can go and have their sins to be forgiven this is why the sin, the sacrament of confession this is why it is a sacrament this is why we say it is necessary for salvation then God says yes I am I'm willing and able and desiring to forgive you of your sins but I'm asking you to do something just like God asked Naaman the Syrian to do something just like Christ asked the man born blind to do something we are not it is not that the confession of the priest in itself is what has the power of forgiveness God is the one with the power of forgiveness but despite this God says I want you to cooperate in the sacrament you have a role to play in this forgiveness of yours Also, God asks us that if he wants to be forgiven of our sins, that we should be, what, forgiving others. In Colossians 3.13, says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Oftentimes, we are looking for forgiveness ourselves, but we struggle to forgive others. And we feel maybe that I am unable to forgive another person who has harmed me, who has hurt me, who has done something to me that is so awful that I I cannot even avoid hating this person when their thought comes to my mind. And yet, what God is asking us, he's saying, you, each of us, is a sinner. Each of us has weaknesses. Each of us has betrayed. Each of us has sinned. So if you want me to forgive you, then you must also forgive each other brings to mind the parable uh, of the unforgiving servant who in this parable there was a servant who owed his master uh, a very very large sum of money a, a sum of money beyond what he could even make an entire lifetime and so the master had mercy on this servant because he knew that he could never pay and he completely cancelled his debt but the minute that that servant's debt was canceled, He went to another one of the fellow servants of his, one of his peers, who owed him just a little bit of money. And he told him, pay me what you owe me. And so the other servant said, I don't have it now. Just give me some time and I will pay you back. And and the servant said, no, I cannot wait. And he went and he threw him in prison because he could not pay the debt. This resembles us sometimes. When the master, our master, God, has forgiven us a debt that is beyond payment that there is no amount of good work that I could have done to repay this debt. And we accept this from him. And we are joyful in this from him. And we are thankful that God forgives us. But then when we go to one another, are we just as merciful as God is with us? This is what he is saying in Matthew 6. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a very powerful statement that God is saying here. Because we've just talked about the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, how God is accepting our repentance and all of this from last week. And this is something that God offers us freely. And yet he comes and he says, but there there is a part that you need to do. And he's saying here, if you do not forgive, then how is it that I will forgive you? And many parables and many stories and many examples in the Bible that support this. What does it mean to actually forgive a person? Because sometimes we become offended by this idea of forgiving. If there's a person who has really, really harmed me in my life, and then we say, "What? well, you need to forgive that person. What does that look like? What does that mean? Does that mean that I need to be best friends with that person? Does that mean that I need to spend time with them? Does that mean that I need to force myself to enjoy their presence? Does that mean that I have to force myself to have positive emotions toward that person? None of those things is forgiveness. To, to love a person is not the same as to like a person, right? When I forgive a person, it means that I do not judge them for what they did because I myself have my own weaknesses. And just as that person harmed me, so I also harm others by my own weaknesses, even if my weakness is different than theirs. To forgive a person means that I don't harbor hatred for them in my heart. I don't desire their destruction. I don't desire their failure. If they are in dire need and I am the only one that is able to serve them, I will serve them. If they ask me for, for help, I will help them. That doesn't mean that um, I enjoy their presence. It doesn't mean that I even continue a relationship with them. If I was in a relationship with a person who harmed me so much that I have to break the relationship, that's okay. That's The fact that the relationship is broken doesn't mean that I have not forgiven. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. To reconcile with a person means that I am restoring the relationship again to as it was. But forgiveness doesn't mean that we reconcile. Forgiveness means is that I do not judge you, I do not hate you, all those things that we said. But it doesn't mean that the relationship is restored. So when we say when God is saying that we should forgive our neighbor or forgive our enemy, Forgive others, right? It means we should harbor no ill will toward them. It means that we should serve them given the opportunity and that I do not desire their destruction. It doesn't mean that I have to adopt them as my best friends or restore my relationship to them as it was. God says there is no limit to forgiveness. In Luke 17:4, he says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So, God is saying essentially, I want you to forgive like I forgive. Right? He's saying, I want you to forgive like I forgive. God's forgiveness is unlimited. right? God's forgiveness is unlimited. It is There is without bound. It is not based on the number of times. right? He says, forgive as often as that person transgresses against you, which is very difficult. It's very difficult maybe for us to think this way. This is why, actually, we separate ourselves from people. Because we cannot handle their constant attacks. We cannot handle their the the like the the, the constant way maybe that they harm us. So we, we, we avoid them. We say, you know, I, I can't be in a relationship with this person anymore because you are harming me all the time. And and the church condones this. In in, in, in situations where there is no reconciliation, where one person has been hurt too much, we say, Yes, forgive, but do not reckon you don't have to reconcile, you can separate from this person. So because here every time they harm me i'm called to forgive them again and again and again right and again this is the way that god forgives us to not harbor ill will toward them to not hate them to serve them if the opportunity presents itself and they are in need there is no limit to forgiveness we are to bear with one another right we are to bear with one another in order for me to have this type of forgiveness i have to understand myself i have to know myself because if i imagine myself to be a righteous person then of course when other people um, you know when other people harm me in some way whether intentionally or unintentionally i will be very quick to judge because i do not know myself but if i know myself and i know myself to be a sinner and i know myself that i have harmed other people and maybe continue to harm them even against my will because of my weaknesses then it will be much harder for me to judge them and it'll be much easier for me to forgive them because I cannot judge another person that is doing the same thing that I'm doing. I have to understand myself. And then maybe I can reach this point where I have no limit, no limit to forgiveness. Finally, we are asked to not just to forgive, but to show kindness. In Ephesians 4 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another even as god in christ forgave you he says be kind so show kindness find a way to serve a person and one of the best ways for us to restore relationships is not to wait for that other person to initiate some kind of restoration of the relationship but to initiate an act of kindness not because by through that act of kindness, we are saying that we are wrong necessarily in whatever situation happened. Showing kindness to another person doesn't mean that I, I, I acknowledge that what you did was okay. That's, that's not kindness. Kindness is saying, I'm going to show you kindness and love regardless of whether you were right or wrong. After all, this is what God does to us. God shows us kindness and love. That doesn't mean that he accepts our actions. That doesn't mean that he accepts what we are doing. You know, sometimes people have this mentality that if everything is going good in my life, then that means God is accepting of my decisions, accepting of my lifestyle, accepting of, you know, everything that I'm doing. And on the flip side, if things are not going well, then this is somehow because God is punishing me because I'm doing something wrong. God's mercy on us is not contingent on our goodness, right? It's not. God can be giving me many good things while at the same time I am not living in the right way. Or on the flip side, maybe there's things that I'm, you know, experiencing that are very negative that are happening to me, even though I'm doing everything as I should, right? So we don't look at the actions and we say, okay, God is treating me in a certain way because of something that I'm doing necessarily, right? So the same is true when we are dealing with others. We should be showing kindness to everyone regardless of whether they have hurt us or not regardless of what they have done to us. This is what God is saying. He's saying, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. Evil speaking, for instance. How often is it that we speak evil things about those who have harmed us? You know, it's easy for us to gossip about them. It's easy for us to speak negatively about them. It's easy for us to try to ruin the reputation. But God is saying, don't do this, right? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. We can acknowledge that other people have done wrong, but just because they have done wrong doesn't give us a license to re- return wrong for wrong. And this is what God is saying. So we spoke about, in these two weeks, the power of forgiveness. And we said that the power of forgiveness is awesome. It's very powerful. It's something that, that loses the bond of sin. And it's something that allows us to enter into heaven because God forgives us of all of our, our, our sins that have separated us from him. But even though this is the case, God says, I want you to participate in the sacrament. I want you to participate in forgiveness with me. I will forgive you, but there are certain things that I'm asking you to do. So he said, we need to confess our sins. We need to confess our sins to the priest. We are to forgive others, and there should be no limit to the amount that we forgive and we should also show kindness to those people who have harmed us. So may God grant us this ability and this desire to forgive and to put aside wrongs and to forget the past and to look forward to a better future and to let go of all of the things that kind of keep us angry toward others and so that we will forgive others and God will also forgive us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.